0: Well, good morning. You can go ahead and have a seat. We uh, recite our family creed together, our family mantra, kind of what makes us a family of God in Christ together every week. The Nicene Creed. Sometimes we do the Apostles' Creed. And in the Nicene Creed, when we say it every week, we say this. We believe that Jesus ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. We say this almost every week. We believe that Jesus ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Ascension uh, Day was Thursday. This is a day set aside on the church calendar. Last Thursday, about 40 days after Easter, um, most of the time it falls right at 40, not always. And um, Ascension Day is on a Thursday. Last year we were able to have a service on that night because of our uh, situation in our office this year we couldn't. So I want to fast forward a little bit. I want to pull Thursday in today and I want to talk about Ascension. The reason I want to talk about it is because it is critically important to who we are as believers in Christ. Sometimes it's mentioned kind of as this afterthought. Oh and now we say the part about Jesus ascending. Well, What does it mean? Why is it important? And so let's just for a few moments this morning, let's just for a few moments just take to consider this phrase that we say every week. Let's start with the first part. Jesus, we believe, ascended into heaven. And this means simply that Jesus was actually and physically taken back into the space that is inhabited by the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, for our purposes, he went up. We think of heaven as up, and that's appropriate. And so he went up to heaven. You kind of get the scene, right? Here's all the disciples out there. Jesus is talking to them. We're going to talk about what he says in a minute because it's important. He talks to them. He's in physical body form. We're going to talk about that too. And then all of a sudden, he's carried up to heaven. And everybody's doing this. Is he going to come back? Or... You know, can you kind of see it? There's confusion. What just happened? The phrase, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, we, don't say, we have never been able to say this, and nobody else in the history of the world can have this said about them, except Jesus Christ. There were some others that were, um, you know, taken to heaven without death. Enoch comes to mind from the Old Testament. So we might be able to say about others, he ascended into heaven without dying again but we can't say about anyone that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And so there really is no mistake that the disciples on ascension, the first Ascension Day were all a little confused about what was going on. There was no frame of reference for what just happened. Jesus went to heaven. And Jesus not only went to heaven, but he went to heaven in bodily form. Bodily form. Jesus right now, is seated by God the Father in his resurrected bodily form. This blows Christians' minds. It really does. I think somewhere in our hearts and minds we have an idea that once Jesus kind of cracked the clouds and was gone, that he turned back into all spirit again. And there's no, and there was no bodily Jesus in heaven. But that is not at all what happened. Although his, his resurrected body is somewhat different than ours, you'll remember the stories. He, he asked me, don't touch me. I'm, don't touch me, right? My body's a little different. And, and, he, and he clearly walked through walls and did some things. He also ate food. Showed, and the biggest thing that he did is he showed his hands and feet repeatedly to his disciples. This is after resurrection. Remember, Thomas? I'm not going to believe unless I can actually touch the scars. And so Jesus meets Thomas doubt. With unambiguous evidence. Here they are right here. You can touch them. So imagine as Jesus is standing in front of his disciples. He led them out as far as Bethany, it tells us in Luke. And lifting up his hands. What we need to see in our mind's eye of the picture is that his hands have nail hole size scars in them. As he lifts them up. Blows my mind. Can you imagine? As he lifts up his hand to bless them. They see the picture of the sacrificial lamb. He's in bodily form. N.T. Wright says, The idea of the human Jesus now being in heaven, in his thoroughly embodied risen state, comes as a shock to many people, including many Christians. Sometimes this is because many people think that Jesus, having been divine, stopped being divine and became human, and then, having been human for a while, stopped being human and went back to the divine. That's not what happened. And this is important. It's important for a couple of reasons. There is already a human king that rules over all the earth. There is already a human king that rules over all the earth. I'm just going to say it one more time. There is already a human king who rules over all the earth. His name is Jesus Christ. The language in the Psalms and in Ephesians and in the scriptures that Paul read... That Jesus Christ has his feet on the footstool of humanity. Tells us that there's a human king over all the earth. And this is good news. It means that we can stop putting our faith, hope, and trust in lesser heroes. Have you ever noticed that our lesser heroes let us down? I mean, even heroes that we love and we're supposed to love, like our parents, some of us have been let down by those heroes. It's true. Because Jesus is our human hero, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we can stop being disappointed in lesser heroes. We can follow him. And do what he did. Now, this is hard for humans. I have more good news. I say all the time, Jesus doesn't despise our humanness, does he? And so these disciples here, before this happened, what was the question? When are you going to give us an earthly hero? That's what they asked Jesus, right? When they all gathered. That's what we read. Okay, okay. Good. Die. That was sad. Resurrected. We've seen you for forty days. Cool. Um, you even appear to be more powerful now because you're walking through walls. So when is it that you establish our earthly king? Like you're going to give us the king now, right? Like, like politically, we're going to have the power now. Like this is like it's going to happen now, right? And Jesus says, "Yes." Don't read no in his words. Read yes. Just not the way you think it's going to happen. The king will be on his throne. And so this confusion in Acts 1, six. when they come together, they ask him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Like this is the time, right? And Jesus says, no, I got something better. I'm not going to restore the kingdom to Israel. The whole earth is my footstool. I'm going to enact my kingdom here. By ascending into heaven in human and bodily form, Jesus has shown his authority over heaven and earth. Let us not make the mistake that Jesus is only showing his authority over heaven. His authority is also fully at rule over what is happening in the here And now, it is why we can also pray the words every Sunday, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus has joined these two things together in his ascension. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. By ascending to heaven in human bodily form, Jesus has shown his authority over heaven and earth. This includes Christ the King continuing his heavenly work on earth by the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through his people who are to be his witnesses in all of the earth. I'm going to read that again. This is really important to us, and it's going to become really important to us next week when we start talking about Pentecost. So let me read this again. By ascending to heaven in human bodily form, Jesus has shown his authority over heaven and earth. This includes Christ the King continuing his heavenly work on earth by the power of the Holy Spirit, working in and through his people who are to be witnesses to the whole world. Next week is Pentecost Sunday, so we're going to save this part of the sermon for then. But Jesus is ruling over heaven and earth and has sent his Holy Spirit to work through his people, to accomplish his ways. There is power from heaven that has broken in to the here and now. To show his glory. and So one of the reasons it was important for Jesus to ascend, he tells us in John 16, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for I do not go away. The Helper will not come to you if I don't go away, but I go so I can send him to you. How is it possible that Jesus has joined heaven and earth and reigns over both? Well, it is in the second part of our phrase, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. We have an earthly, a human king. We have a human king in bodily form that reigns over heaven and earth, but we do not have merely a human king. It is this part of the statement that changes everything. Our king is both human and divine. Just like he was on earth. And he sits at the right hand of the Father. Psalm 47 says, For God is the king of the earth. Sing praises with Psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The passage in Ephesians 1, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We have an Anglican catechism that uh, was kind of spearheaded by uh, maybe a name you know, J.I. Packer. I don't know if you know the name J.I. Packer. He, he led a group of people to write uh, a catechism for the Anglican church in North America called To Be a Christian. And uh, if you're not familiar with catechism, catechism is a call and response. There's a question and then we learn answers together. So if you really come through a a catechetical class, you learn a bunch of things. You try to memorize them, actually. Uh, We don't do that to kids anymore because it's really unfair. But, you know, we try a little bit because there's like 175 of these things. So it gets a little tricky. But here's the question, number 68, to be a Christian on on the creed. What does it mean for Jesus to sit at God the Father's right hand? There's the question. What does it mean for Jesus to sit at God the Father's right hand? And here's the answer. The throne on the monarch's right hand was traditionally the seat for the chief executive in the kingdom, ruling with his father in heaven. Jesus is Lord over the church and all creation with authority to equip his church, advance his kingdom, bring sinners into saving fellowship with God the father, and finally to establish justice and peace on the earth. This is what it means for God to have Sat Jesus at his right hand. We have a grand divine. I love how Packer and the group puts it, CEO. That's good for like New Englanders, right? We get the finance term. He's running the show. And the four things are beautiful. He's equipping his church for mission to make disciples. He's advancing his kingdom through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's bringing sinners into saving fellowship with God the Father and he's establishing peace and justice here and now on the earth. That's what it means. And it means one other thing. You know, we've been in Revelation for Easter and 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 we're not there today, but but I do want to recall something. You'll remember where we started in Revelation. A scroll is handed out. And someone asks the question, "Who can open this scroll?" And John, receiving the revelation, begins to weep. It's in Revelation chapter 5. I looked and I saw no one who could open the scroll. I saw nobody who has humanity, heaven and earth, in his hands. I saw nobody. And John begins to weep and weep and weep. And an elder comes over to John and says, here, get off off the... like, it was the kind of weeping that John's down, right? John's on the ground, right? That kind of weeping. And the elder says, come here, come here. you got to lift your head. You're just not seeing it. you got to lift your head. And the elder says this, weep no more. We talked about this last week. Jesus wipes every tear from our eyes, right? Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll. He can open the scroll. We have a king, and he's seated at the Father's right hand, and he is in charge. And so, because Jesus ascended into heaven and is seated at the Father's right hand, we get to live in great confidence. I think, we, I think Amy said this earlier. We didn't, we, didn't, we didn't team up today. You didn't even know I was going here. But when you said to Lee, you said, hey, we, we can live in great confidence. I hope that that will become clear as we sing the songs we just sang. And I thought, well, Amy's preaching. That's great. Maybe I don't have to preach. You thought the same thing. No, 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 no. I'm almost done, but no. Gerlamo Savonarola, how's that for a name? It's a 15th century priest and martyr. While preaching a sermon on the ascension, he said this. I love this line. I've written it down. He who believes that Christ is above no longer fears anything in heaven and earth. Come on. He who believes that Christ is above no longer fears anything. And I love how he finishes it. In heaven and earth. Because there is a king. Number 69 of the catechism says this, what does Jesus do for you as he sits at the Father's right hand? It's a great question. What does any of this matter? What does he do for you, for us, the church? When he said, when it's you, it's y'all, right? Us, the church. What does he do for us? Noting our needs and receiving our prayers, Jesus intercedes for me as our great high priest. Through Jesus, Jesus, And in his name, I am now granted access to the Father when I make confessions, when I give praises, when I say thanksgivings, and when I ask him for things. It is because of Jesus, I don't have to tremble in front of God anymore. I can walk in covered under my king's authority and ask for what I need and give thanks in the way that my heart sings. There is a king. He is seated at the Father's right hand. This can make us fearless. This can make us shameless. Not haughtily. We haven't done any of this. None of it. Just, by the way, I implied that there is a king. Probably I should put in parentheses and you're not him. Near am I. So, in all humility and in grace and love and compassion and in power and strength, we get to live like there is a king and we are his people. And he's not detached, he understands us, he knows who we are. And because of his death and his resurrection, and his ascension we are invited into the throne room that we've been reading about and talking about for the last 4 weeks that revelation shows us we come in and are escorted up front and i hope with awe struck wonder worship our king live under his power and move the way our hero directs. I offer it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.